Entrepreneurs, happy Friday. We are traveling to New York for a Rewind the Clock episode. Sash joined us all the way back on season one, and he has a lot to catch up on. He worked through the pandemic in New York, a lot of restrictions, a lot of pivoting with his business, and he's going to share all of those learning lessons and more. I worked for Sash growing up during the summers in Walestale in Northport. His restaurant has taken off since then. He introduced I believe his second restaurant was opening right when he came on the first time. So we'll talk all about that and more. Sash, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, my friend. Very proud of you. Doing great. Great, <laughs> great to have you back on the show. Sash, let's dive right into it. You went through a lot owning and running the restaurant during the pandemic in New York. You had a lot of new hiring tips you're going to share. You mentioned how we're doing some changes behind the scenes. But before we get to that, what led you into entrepreneurship? Well, that's a good question. I'd like to tell you it's uh, because I was had my head up my butt for too much uh, of, of my youth that I didn't want to go to college. And so, oops, I better hurry up and do something. Um, that might be part of it. But the truth of the matter is I've always um, enjoyed organizing uh, people. Um, trying to create fun environments for people. And uh, I grew up in the hospitality business, so it kind of went hand in hand. Um, I recognized at a young age that I, whatever it is that I decided I was going to do, that I had to be the best at it. Um, I want to say that was more a young man's ego, but uh, it, impulsivity and, and ego will fuel success, no doubt. But thank God, as I get older, wisdom calms that a little bit and teaches you how to kind of uh, maneuver through, through life and challenges, which definitely has been challenging over the last couple of years, as you had said, with the pandemic. This segment is sponsored by Bedrock Business Builders, a small business startup specialist. Start, build, manage. Yes, learning lessons. And entrepreneurship is just what failures are. Every time something doesn't go wrong, you got to find a way to get it right. And then you know for the next time. This is That Entrepreneur Show. Welcome back. My name is Vincent A. Lancey, and I'm excited to bring back Sash. He's crushing it up in New York. He's got multiple restaurants. He was on the show a long time ago. You may not have heard his first episode. So we're going to dive right into Whale's Tale. This is the company that I worked for with Sash. Now it's blown up quite a bit. Sash, let's talk about Whale's Tale restaurant in New York during the pandemic? Uh, during the pandemic was was interesting. I um, when, when we started getting shut down, um, you know, we kept things pretty close to our chest. We were fortunate enough to, to get the PPP, which definitely um, uh, made a big difference for us. Um, the one thing I will say is I remember sitting in my office with a sense of total, like just helplessness and, and you tell any business owner out there that there's nothing they can do. They're going to have a hard time about it because we are essentially control freaks. It is part of one of the things that, uh, contributes to our success. So as I sat really impatiently losing my mind, I, um, there's got to be something we can do. And, you know, I chose to be more proactive during the pandemic as opposed to just sit and wait for other people to dictate my future. Yeah. Because we're in predominantly an outdoor 
restaurant, we wanted to try and decollateralize ourselves from the rest of the uh, dining uh, segment. And so one of the things that we started to do is we actually created an outdoor dining coalition on Long Island. And we kind of uh, used some of our attorneys to write some letters. We helped. We worked with the CDC. We worked with um, a, a FDA and a bunch of things like that to actually put together protocol that we had submitted to the governor's office to say that we feel that the outdoor dining coalition should not be categorized with in-house dining and that we could be open uh, under a different phase. If we let it go the way they were talking at the end of August. So for us, for example, we'll do 75% of our year's revenues from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Yeah. Claudio's, for example, was one of the people who was part of our outdoor dining coalition. It does half a million dollars a weekend. I mean, if these guys, as, as we're going into Memorial Day each week, you know, I'm losing $100,000 a week that we're closed. So it started to get very scary over there. So like I said, we became very proactive. We pushed, jumped up and down, worked hand in hand with the county executive, the governor's office. And we were able to get us up and running at the end of phase one, which was tremendous. That made a huge difference for us. Um, some of the other things that we were able to do was you have to be innovative and focus on takeout. Um, we, um, I remember on Cinco de Mayo, we were closed for dine-in and we decided to hire a mariachi band and put them outside and do alcohol to go and, and tacos to go. And there was, it was a three hour line of cars going all the way down to main street. Amazing. And um, you know, that, that helped that, that made a difference. So I have to say that we were really fortunate during the pandemic. I think the biggest challenge comes post pandemic. I think we were fortunate enough to make it through the pandemic. We opened the other store two months before it. That was challenging. I think mm -hmm. as a business decision, when you look to open a place and you take into consideration what your profit and loss is going to be in your return on investment. I opened my first store four days before 9-11. I opened two other restaurants in 2008 as the stock market crashed. And now here we are opening another one around the pandemic. And the one thing that has truly saved all of these businesses during that is, is finding an occupancy cost that can, you know, weather the storm. So for example, the load of echo concept that we opened up, it's not a, uh, a location as some of the other locations I've had in my history, but because of it being a D location, it was the same size store as one of my stores I had in 2008. And I paid $75,000 a year less in rent. And the revenues are really within a couple of thousand dollars a week of that. So if you use technology to bring people uh, to a D location, you can do that today as opposed to the past where you need 60,000 cars a day driving past you. I love Those that. Things, that made a huge difference for us and it still continued to make a difference. What I do want to say for all the young entrepreneurs out there, especially in my industry and probably most industries, during the pandemic, we had the luxury of two years to play with the government's money. And without that, we'd all been in trouble. There's no doubt about it. Um, the problem is 
is you can't get a true reading on what an accurate profit and loss statement was during the pandemic. You can back the math out and get some sort of an idea, but you can't take the variables into consideration. So for the two years, and now as we just are completing our third season, almost three years blind of what post-COVID world would look like. And I had anticipated that our margins were going to be significantly less. And I have to say, unfortunately, to my anticipation, I was right. This is one of the most challenging years I ever had. Um, So as I'm starting to really see the first real profit and loss statement for the first time in three years, you know, what I will tell you about the hospitality industry and what I'll probably tell you is accurate for most industries post-COVID is that our industries have changed. And the traditional restaurant business as we know it today is not like it was pre-COVID. And I think that's going to shake out uh, the market significantly. I could tell you I am looking to pivot far more into technology, um, not only to gather data to help me make smart decisions for what the consumer wants, um, but to alleviate some of that payroll inflation and <laughs> to go. And not that I, I know your, your staff is everything. And Vinny, you work for me for years and, and, and you know how I am. But, you know, an entrepreneur deserves a good value on dollar, just as a consumer does when they walk into Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. And we have seen an inflation of payroll because we've been handing money out to people that we, the expectation of this money that is coming in is really kind of soured the work ethic over the last number of years. And we have not gotten a good value on our dollar. And it's really been challenging. So unfortunately... I'm going to start to rely more on technologies. For, for example, you remember our old uh, opening server checklist that we would have, right. right? We're going to be foregoing those things and digitalizing it to the point where it's like, hey, if your responsibility was to clean the restroom, you got to take a photograph of that picture and upload it to the app. And it says, hey, Vin was in there and checked the restroom. And what does that do? That just starts to condition your staff about accountability and things like that. The other thing is the onboarding process. You know how our training process, and I believe for any industry, is the most important part mm-hmm. of your industry. And, you know, we just found that we were wasting 40, 50 hours a week of trying to train people. They weren't getting it. So I think we're going to go more digitalized onboarding where they have 45-minute portals per category. If the time's out, they got to restart again, blah, blah. And that's something that we take this so seriously. We owe it to the consumer. I also think that this will create more efficiencies for us, which will allow us to slowly chisel away at some of the uh, lost margins. So that that's really where, where we're looking to go, if that helps to answer some questions. Yeah. Well, you brought up a lot of great point there with the money inflation, the payroll inflation. This is not a knock on any fast food establishment by any means, but when you drive by, they're offering $15 for a starting position there. And that's with no experience in fast food. And even with a college degree, now that lowers the college degree, me specifically, starting salaries in Florida at a college, say some industries, $30,000, $40,000. Now you can get that. I was sitting in traffic for two hours, going to a bank, coming back, coming home. Now I could pick my own schedule, go to work, come home when I please. How do you get good work to stay? How do you find good work when there's such easy, easy options right there? 
Well, that that's part of what the challenge is, and that's where the restructuring or reconfiguration of how you do business in the post-COVID world, I think, is the most important part. Like I said, if I can shave off a few points of my payroll um, through the use of technology, well, that allows me to go ahead and take from Peter and give to Paul. And Paul might be somebody who is yeah. somebody that I want to have as a career-driven future for me. Mm-hmm. You got to understand a lot of restaurants traditionally in the past. I mean, when you guys are all working with me as dishwashers, busboys, things like that, these are jobs. These are not careers. So you know, restaurants started off being structured by utilizing job wages, not career salaries. And, and I respect and appreciate that, you know, some of the changes, why we're doing it, but it's been very challenging for a lot of the hospitality people to go back to the drawing board because you've got to really reconfigure the way that you do business. So, for example, I might be hiring a full-time position to manage all of the new technological apps that I have for all of the stores. And that may be a really great salary that may in return alleviate some, um, certain management responsibilities that you could pick and choose shift leaders to go ahead and take as long as we audit those systems. Um, And and that is just an example of what we're looking to do. But a lot of it is still so new to us. Um, And it's it's very scary times. I, I really think we're knocking on the door of a recession. I think it's, it's kind of right there and and, and that's okay. I think we'll, you know, come out better for it, but it's, uh, it's, it's challenging and you got to keep it close to your chest. You know, I think it's interesting. I wasn't really informed about it all. I guess in the 1920s is similar to what's happening right now where the twenties, it's really cyclical like that. And as you mentioned, things have changed. I worked in fine dining, even fine dining is utilizing, Uber Eats, open table type things, all these apps to use technology because times have changed. Where before COVID, I don't think that was a thing. Sasha's told us all about Whale's Tale so far. He's told us how he's worked during COVID, all of the changes and things that are new. Would you like to also touch on the other restaurant you have in the town? If you're in Northport, a lot of great food. Lodeveco, I believe is the name. Lodeveco, yes. Um, so for me, one of um, the things that I wanted to do was diversify our business portfolio and not be stuck in one segment of hospitality, which the Whale's Tale right. is a full service operation. Um, Lodoveco is fast casual. Um, Lodoveco has the potential to be a rubber stampable type of situation to multiple units. Um, the real money on, on a, a multi-unit type of situation is on the exit, is that each unit sells for another multiple on the resale value. Mm-hmm. So Lord of Echo is honestly, for me, it's also creatively been been fun. It's um, the whale's tail has been such an anomaly here in the town where it's was like lightning struck a little bit. Yeah. Lord of Echo was a way to kind of express your creativity as a food and beverage operator and say, listen, I'm not just a one trick pony. So for me, yep. the fact that um, the whale's tail is about culture first, everything else secondary, Lodoveco is a fast casual. It's about the product. That's it. A hundred percent. If the product is not the same, if it's not perfect, if it's not flawless, they're going to go somewhere else. And it's been received tremendously well. I'm absolutely couldn't be more proud of it. Um, and it is 
something that I would like to focus on doing more of. Uh, of course, as we, you know, hold the economy close to our chest over the next six to 12 months, that's something definitely on the horizon. Um, yeah. What kind of business in the hospitality game would be next that you have these two? What, what else is on your mind? Well, you know, we, we have the brewery. Um, that's been an interesting thing as well. A lot of breweries have been down over the last uh, year or two, but um, for us having kind of a central production facility to produce alcohol for both of the stores yeah, uh, will save us a lot of money on purchasing. So that is one way to reconfigure profit and loss statement and open up um, money for salaries to key people. Um, I think right now, I think right now the biggest focus and advice that I would give to people is to legitimately keep the next six months close to their chest. I think it's going to be a rather challenging winter. I think if you look at the history of, of uh, the economy or the current state of the yep. union, anytime that we see interest rates going up and we know why they're going up, I think you're going to, I think the labor industry is in serious need of a serious correction. And I think the increase of the interest rates is going to do that. I think it's going to shake out some of the garbage a little bit. And I think that we'll be able to have a broader pool of talent to draw from. Um, and you can't build the business without good people. So <laughs> for me right now, I feel like a one-man army kind of. So it's like I'm, I'm waiting a little bit. We're focusing on right. changing some of our systems and procedures till we can start to see some of that better talent out there. Um, that's, that's the bittersweet truth of, of my take on it right now. It may not yeah. be what entrepreneurs want to hear, but you, you can't always be aggressive as an entrepreneur. You really need to keep things close to your chest sometimes and, and understand the state of the union and how that, that plays into things. And, and if you're smart enough to say we're raising interest rates, rates, why are we raising interest rates? We've been handing out free money. Everybody has money. They're buying everything. So the supply and demand is not there. So they're increasing, right? I mean, it's, it makes sense. So, so the market is askew. Mm -hmm. I went out East with my wife four weeks ago. We spent $4,000 for two days at an establishment out East. I'm not going to say beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. The service was not great. I got to tell you, the room had water damage. Oh, um, it, it, it wasn't impressive. The value on dollar is not there. It, things are askew. And typically, like in the housing market, when things don't make sense, the bubble will burst. And that's that's why the interest rates are going up. And we're going to see that. Yeah, it is a interesting time. We're going to see what happens. And as you said, we've been giving out free money. There had to be some kind of repercussions. You knew it wasn't going to be a, hey, congratulations, PASCO, collect 1500 Well, somebody pays for it, unfortunately. They don't just print money in the Fed. They've been handing it out. And that's kind of uh, the business owners will see, and a lot of people, if they're not business owners, haven't seen it yet. But for example, New York State's unemployment fund is bankrupt. So how do they recoup it? The business owners of New York are starting to get taxed. And yep. I guess it depends on your, your revenues and things like that. But just for an example, just the New York State unemployment fund just sent me a $2,000 bill the other time. Like, What's that for? They're like, well, 
pay us. That's it. You know, and and, and that's part of it. And that's just one of the pools yep. of, you know, I mean, what about FICO, Social Security? So it's it's a scary time. But but because of that, you know, there's a lot of success that can come out. A lot of innovation can come of this. So that's why I see keep your eyes close to technology. I think definitely I'm a little premature to having a robot cooking on the line by mm. about 10 years. But that doesn't mean you can't use a QR code that's posted on the dumpster to to be scanned by the bus boy so he can be held accountable for it to know that it was done properly. Things <laughs> like that. It's going to be crazy when that all happens. And that's, I, I think it's scary enough where it's going to happen. I mean, it started the first phase of you go to some places, there's no more human interaction placing orders. It's a machine. You place your order, it prints out. Eventually, there's going to be a robotic arm moving, you know, burgers, fries, you name it. But for now, we still have great places like the Whale's Tail. I'm going to plug them. They are in Northport in Long Island, right next to Britannia. And you got to check it out. Great vibe, great people. Sash, before we find out where they can find more on all of your restaurants, normally, as you know, we do the spotlight story. We did that in the first episode at the end. Now, since you've already done that, we're going to give you the chance to shout out and bring light to another entrepreneur's endeavors, someone else in your circle, someone you know. Who can we show some love to today? Well, that, that's a good question. There's, there's so many. Um, anybody that is an entrepreneur during this time right now is a special and a unique individual, and they all deserve the credit, and we all deserve to stick together. My friend... Uh, Jim DeVilio from Cabo Fresh okay. uh, was, is someone that has been a mentor to me for many years. And he has a chain of restaurants and, you know, I've learned a lot from him. Um, and, you know, the thing I can say now is sometimes it goes full circle. Sometimes your mentors start to learn from you as well, you know, and that's the way that I look at people that are getting started 20 years younger than me is, you guys are the liaisons for us old dinosaurs to the current trends and technologies. And without you, we don't exist. So keep up the good work, uh, new young guy like Vin, man. I mean, God, you know, with uh, give me some guidance, please. I'm looking for it. Here we go. Be sure to check out where is his restaurants located? Are they in Northport as well? Uh, Cabo Freshy has a few spread out through Long Island, Colmac, Stony Brook, okay. things like that. All right, be sure to check all that out. Be sure Whale's Tale in Northport, the brewery's right attached to it as well. Sash, where can everybody check out more about your restaurants? All things Sash. Uh, the Whale's Tale, northport.com. That's T-A-L-E, northport.com. Lodaveco, L-O-T-A-V-E-C-O-N-P-T.com. Um, and the Whale's Tale will link you to our brewery. And in fact, uh, Lodaveco as well. And it's... You're up here. It, it is fun, man. We just kind of wear flip flops and backwards hats and try not to take life too seriously because at the end of the day, we're not curing cancer. We're making tacos. If I recall, you put up something where Whale's Tail is open during the colder weather now. You put up the glass. Yes, we do have uh, full year uh, capabilities. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of the reason is that is to keep that key important personnel on payroll all year long. Right. Absolutely. Take care of your staff. Remember that everyone listening on. I am at Vincent A. Lansing on all social media. Be sure to check out YouTube. We're writing with authors is in back in full swing. Until next Friday, we are signing off here in Tampa, Sasha, New York. Thank you for stopping by. Hold on.